In late 2017, the news broke that I had been paid less than $1,000 compared to the $1.5 million that my male counterpart had received for the exact same amount of work. And guess what? No one cared. I got such a shock last July when I discovered that I was, that two men as international editors were being paid at least 50% more than the two women international editors. The BBC can't sort it out for me. You know, for me, a senior person of 55 in a powerful position, then how can it sort it out for more vulnerable people who don't have a public profile? That's my concern. Every year around this time, we find ourselves telling the same story. The one that goes like this. Nearly 60 years after President Kennedy signed the Equal Pay Act, women, on average, still make less than men. This trend even gets its own holiday. We mark it on the calendar as Equal Pay Day. This year, it falls on March 31st. But hold the champagne. Equal Pay Day marks how much longer women have to work to earn what men made in the previous year. It symbolizes that women are forever playing catch-up working an extra three months to earn the equivalent of a man's 2019 paycheck. Because even as of last year, women's median earnings are about 80 cents for every dollar a man makes. That's known as the gender pay gap. It's a reality that's persisted for decades. And it means that over a woman's working lifetime, she could be losing out on at least $400,000 in earnings. The pay gap is even worse for some minorities, Bottom line, white men make the most. Surprise. Black and Hispanic women experience a larger gap than white women. To put it in perspective, Hispanic women won't be celebrating Equal Pay Day until November. Yes, women have made progress in the workplace. But we wanted to find out why this problem is still so hard to solve. Why we can't seem to move the needle on that 20-cent gap, which hasn't changed for the past 15 years. Plus, what's being done about it? This is your Skim Special on Equal Pay. What have you done for the women according to the promises of the platform? Well, I'm sure we haven't done enough, and... Uh... <laughs> I must say I am a, a strong believer in equal pay uh, for equal work, and uh, I think that uh, uh, we ought to... Uh do better than we're doing, and I'm glad that you reminded me of it, Miss Craig. <laughs> that was President Kennedy in 1961, about two years before he signed the Equal Pay Act. It sounds so simple. The act essentially bans employers from paying men and women differently if they're working jobs that require the same skill, effort, and responsibility. In other words, equal pay for equal work. So why is there still a gender pay gap? The reality is that women go to work every day facing a gender bias. Take this story, for example. When I went to the Cannes Lions Festival, so this is a extremely fancy annual festival in the south of France for people in advertising. And I went, first party, I walk into, super excited, and this, this older guy comes up to me and he's super nice, shakes my hand, and he goes, hey, who, whose wife are you? <laughs> it's like... Oh, okay. This is, we're, we're not so far out from Mad Men after all. That was Claire Wasserman. At the time in 2015, she was working in marketing. About a year after that experience, she founded Ladies Get Paid, a platform that helps women advance in the workplace. I would argue 
we don't value women's work uh, because when there's a field that's mostly male dominated and um, women enter that field, um, the pay goes down. Um, the opposite is true. Computer programming used to actually be a very female dominated field uh, and then men entered it and the pay went up. Claire's referring to a 2009 study that analyzed 50 years of U.S. census data. It found that as more women enter a particular job, it starts to pay less. Yep. And the opposite happens when more men enter a field. So one thing women are up against, straight up bias. We called Jennifer Klein, Chief Strategy and Policy Officer for Time's Up, to find out what's going on here. Time's Up was founded in 2018 in the wake of the Me Too movement. It's focused on combating gender discrimination in the workplace. Why do we continue to think that women are less capable or worthless? If I need the answer to that question, I think it's really deeply ingrained. And I think that it's not rational. And when you present people with the facts, um, which is usually my theory of how we're going to get this done, you know, reasonable people will realize that there's no actual reason for valuing women less in the workplace or anywhere else. But, you know, we have a, a huge cultural barrier to overcome. Jennifer pointed out two other factors that influence the pay gap. The first is what she calls an opportunity gap. It's also known as occupational segregation. Women are more often in low-wage jobs. Low-wage jobs are done by women more than men. And most higher-paying jobs are done by men. And that happens at all, in, in all parts of the, of the economy, right? So if you think about STEM, for example, science and technology, there are more men in high-paying jobs in STEM than there are women. But if you even look at other kinds of jobs, people who are coming out of high school and are going to vocational school, you know, what you see, and this is, you know, real life on the ground, what you see is that girls are being pointed to be beauticians and boys are being pointed to be electricians. And guess what? Electricians make more than beauticians generally. The other factor comes down to a different kind of work, the kind that doesn't pay. Women still do more of the unpaid work at home, right? So they're taking care of their children. They're taking care of elderly relatives. They're doing more of the cooking and cleaning um, and so if you think about that logically, if you have more responsibility for um, things at home, you probably have less time to spend at work. And that you know, happens on a daily or weekly basis, but it also happens if you look over the course of a career. We expect both men and women are you know, raised to expect that women are going to do more of, of the unpaid labor. And solving that is difficult. So to recap, women's paychecks continue to lag behind men's. But there isn't really a straightforward reason for this. There are a lot of factors. Our society undervalues women's work. This gender bias also factors into occupational segregation. Women tend to be in lower paying jobs. And those jobs often rely on traditionally feminine skill sets like caregiving. Think about the nurses and teachers you know. Are more of them men or women? And then there are societal norms. Women do more household labor. And in fact, the wage gap starts to become the most prominent when women take time off to have kids. So what do we do about all of this? Policy is part of the answer. Jennifer points to legislation like the Paycheck Fairness Act. It would ban employers from asking job applicants their previous salaries, among other things. It passed in the House last year, but hasn't been taken up in the Senate. 
Then there's the push for paid family leave for men and women and encouraging men to actually take it. Some say that could help address the stigma and the paycheck gap associated with mothers. The U.S. is the only industrialized country in the world that doesn't offer paid parental leave. Although there are signs of progress. Last year, President Trump signed a bill that guarantees paid family leave for more than 2 million federal workers. But another answer to the pay gap that we heard over and over again is to speak up. Here's CNN anchor Brooke Baldwin in 2018. Talking about what we make still seems so taboo. I did something recently I had never done before, something that actually felt a little uncomfortable for me at first. I told a girlfriend, a colleague, how much I make. I told her so that when time comes for her to negotiate her salary with her boss, that she is armed with not just numbers, but knowledge. Talking about money may make you squirm, but Claire from Ladies Get Paid wants us to do it more often. The network helps women connect through coffee meetups, conferences, and career coaches, and gain the skills they need to negotiate for money and power at work. We just need to be having conversations around things that make us uncomfortable, and primarily asking ourselves, why? Why does this make us uncomfortable? When you get women in a room together, what tools are you giving them? So any argument you make to your company about closing the wage gap, getting women into leadership, it has to be positioned as a benefit to the business. So this is not about what's fair. It's not about that you deserve it. Um, It's really how is this going to make you more money? By you, she means the business. Um, And then the other thing that we we arm women with is... um, Going in and making the case for uh, kind of greasing the wheels of the pathway to promotion um, because company cultures aren't going to change unless we have a diversity in leadership. Uh, Women's salaries won't go up if we don't have women in those high-paying jobs. So how can you get your company to, you know, promote more women? And the first step, we think, is creating some kind of sponsorship program, um, making sure that women have people at the higher levels who are advocating on their behalf. Always find other people to work with. Never go in alone. Um, and, and always find men who will pick up the cause with you. Some say men's involvement is crucial in making progress on the pay gap. Any men listening to be a great ally, just start talking about your paycheck to women. That's how a lot of women in our community realize that they were underpaid, actually. In other words, this isn't an issue that women can solve by themselves, especially since men are still predominantly the ones in power. Last year, women made up just over 6% of Fortune 500 CEOs, and a survey says women hold just 10% of top management positions in S&P 1500 companies. One thing male managers can do is advocate for their female employees, especially when it comes to their paychecks. Are women on your team making the same as men doing equivalent work? If you're involved in pay decisions, some say that's one place to start speaking up. There are also steps that businesses as a whole can take. This is Maria. Hi, how are you? Honestly, my first question is, how do you pronounce your last name? (laughs) That's a good question. It's Colacurcio. Colacurcio. Okay, thank you. Maria Colacurcio is the CEO of Cindio. It's a software company that helps other companies address paycheck biases ones they may not even realize exist. You've probably heard of some of Cindio's clients, companies like Nordstrom, Slack, and Target. While organizations like Ladies Get Paid are aiming to empower women to close the pay gap from the ground up, Cindio is trying to do the same from the top down. Pay equity is not a women's issue. It's a leadership issue. 
Cindio's clients pay for a subscription to its paycheck analysis software. Maria says it's the only company out there that automates the process of analyzing employee paychecks. The goal? To see if everyone is being paid fairly. So the way that it's done typically pre-software is companies will outsource to a law firm. So typically they'll hire a big law firm. That law firm will then outsource to a labor economist. So they'll bring in a labor, labor economist and they'll do this the old-fashioned way through lots and lots of spreadsheets and stats and crunching numbers. Maria says there are two problems with this process. One, it's expensive, meaning companies aren't likely to invest in doing a pay analysis on an ongoing basis. Two, it takes a long time. So typically, one analysis will take four to six months. And by the time a company gets back the information in the analysis, so here's where you need to remediate, here are the people who are being paid unfairly, the information's stale. They've done a reorg. They've had job changes. They've moved people around. Um, people have been let go. And so it's, it's really problematic to do it in that way, which is why we created software to make this more efficient, less expensive, and give companies the ability to do it in an ongoing way. What exactly is it analyzing? So if a company says tenure influences pay or education or whatever those neutral factors are, we look at what people's pay should be if no one had a gender or race. And then we add in gender and race and we compare those actuals with predicted. If there's a gap and the gap is statistically significant and it's between men and women per, per se, then you have a pay equity issue. Companies that do use your software and are using it on an ongoing basis, what actions are they then taking based on that data? So companies that are using our software typically take three actions after they've done a pay equity analysis. The first is they're doing some sort of remediation. So they're identifying where there's a budget that they need to allocate to make people whole, if that makes sense. And typically they're remediating at the tune of about a million dollars and impacting five to 10% of their employee base. So that's number one. They typically remediate in some way, shape or form with budget. Maria says companies will also use a pay analysis to identify broken policies. For example, if a company says it pays people more based on tenure, it can figure out whether that's actually the case across male and female employees. The third thing, Maria says most companies will almost always release a summary of the audit to their employees, and sometimes they'll release the results publicly. I believe this push toward transparency is what's going to push us over the edge and start to make collective change. Millennials are starting to push for pay transparency. People are starting to share salary information. This collectively is good because what it does is it holds companies accountable to why they pay what they pay and how to stay accountable over time that they're looking at this in an ongoing way. In some countries, governments are requiring companies to reveal their gender pay gaps. One study found that in Denmark, making this information public actually reduced the gap. But in the absence of requirements, women are getting vocal. One of the industries where women have been speaking up the loudest is sports. When the U.S. women's soccer team won the World Cup last year, this happened. The U.S. women's national soccer team has been crushing it. They've won four World Cups. The men's team has never gotten further than the semifinals, and that was in 1930. 
Members of the U.S. women's team are suing the U.S. Soccer Federation for gender discrimination. They say they're paid less than members of the men's team. The Soccer Federation says this comes down to the difference in total revenue the teams bring in. But some reports tell a different story. They say that in the three years after the women's team won the 2015 World Cup, it brought in more revenue than the men's team during the same time period. The lawsuit is set to go to trial later this year. Then there's professional basketball. Earlier this year, the WNBA struck a new deal with its players to raise their average salaries into the six figures for the first time. The league will also invest in marketing and provide paid maternity leave. Hi, I'm Neko Gwimike, and I am a power forward for the Los Angeles Sparks. Neka is the president of the WNBA Players Union, meaning she helped negotiate with the WNBA. We recently talked to her about what that process was like. We do the same work that a lot of our male counterparts do and aren't compensated adequately. Um, it's equity that we're looking for. And I'm tired of people telling us that we need to do something different on the court, <laughs> which is not what needs to happen. We just need people to bid on women. We need that investment. We need that exposure. We need that visibility. We need to be provided with access to spaces that share those um, that are made available to the men. And once we open those doors, the world is ours. Speaking of access to the same kinds of spaces, NECA says that one of the wins of the contract actually wasn't even about money. However small this may seem, and this delves into the knowledge people have about the WNBA and women's basketball, individual hotel rooms is a really big deal for us. Um, as you can imagine, we are professional women between the ages of early 20s, late 30s, and it's unfathomable to imagine you sharing a grown woman sharing another hotel room with another grown woman in what you what is regarded as the best league in the world. And so for us to be able to have that have that pride and that individual space um, to maintain our professionalism, it was actually kind of, it was a small big win that a lot of people don't realize and a step in the right direction. All of this is to say that even for high-profile professional athletes, closing the gender pay gap isn't just about pay. When it comes to negotiating for yourself, Claire from Ladies Get Paid says, Please be ready to negotiate for things other than money. And this is things like, you know, asking for compensating for classes that you take, uh, flexibility, more vacation time. Um, and, and if they still say no, get specifics. Don't just shut down and feel terrible and walk out. Really deeply understand why and what you need to show them the next time and get a meeting on the calendar. Um, not in six months, not in 12 months, but check in along the way. Information is power. Um, and so don't, don't wait. If you wait until your annual review to ask for more money, uh, it's too late. Going to bat for yourself can be uncomfortable and nerve-wracking. Keep in mind that for your company, this is a business decision. You can use that as leverage by pointing out how you've contributed to your company's success. By the way, the idea that women don't ask for raises as frequently as men is a myth. Research shows they do ask. They're just more likely to be told no. That doesn't mean the answer is to stop asking. I don't want women ever to feel like the burden should be on us to make changes. I mean, listen, we're already exhausted and underpaid, and these are, you know, systemic institutionalized biases that we didn't create. So I hate that we're often made to feel like it's somehow our fault. 
But the reason we actually focus on women to make the change is because we can't just sit around and wait, (laughs) you know? Uh, So at least let's get the ball rolling. It's a bunch of small steps. It's many people doing small things. And that really could even just be speaking up in a meeting if you've never done that before. Uh, And that shows other women that they should do it too. So it's normalizing behavior for everybody if you're at least a person who takes that first step. So I don't know, huge change can happen in ways that you don't even realize, but you have to take an action. So what's the skim? Women have been behind men when it comes to their paychecks forever. But movements are built over time. At one point during our conversation, Claire pointed out that women didn't start entering the workforce in large numbers until the 1960s. You're not going to just show up and now you're the CEO, right? So there was always going to be, you know, time. It was always going to be an uphill battle for us to get into positions of power. In recent years, several major companies like Starbucks and Apple say they've reached equal pay for their employees. But there's still a long way to go. Estimates from the World Economic Forum say it'll take another 257 years to close the global gender pay gap. Yeah, you heard that right. Why is this problem so hard to solve? Because it requires changing a collective mindset about women's place in the world. It requires governments to protect workplace equality through legislation. And it requires companies to take steps to not only look into their own paycheck policies, but potentially change them. These are not things that happen quickly. In the meantime, one thing you can do is say something. Whether that's advocating for yourself at work or speaking openly about salaries with people you trust. Why? Well, data and research have shown that salary transparency can help eliminate pay discrimination. You may even be able to get your company on board with pay analyses. Maria Colacurcio from Cindio encourages women to ask their HR departments whether they're looking into pay equity. That includes asking how often, what the results were, and what's being done about it. Ultimately, this issue not only holds back women, it holds back the economy, too. Women make up the majority of the U.S. workforce. A 2017 study by the Institute for Women's Policy Research found that paying women equally would cut the poverty rate for working women in half, and it would add $512 billion in income to the U.S. economy. Those we talked to said that closing the gender pay gap will come down to a combination of things. Awareness, new workplace policies, and legislation. It'll also take a realization that everyone, men and women, businesses and the economy, will benefit. And that's your Skim Special on Equal Pay. If you want to hear from more female leaders in the workplace, subscribe to our other podcast, Skimmed from the Couch. 